That's <laughs> so funny. Wow, you see, this Marmite thing, it's just happening. Lissy, thank you for the notices. And uh, I have to say, um, that true or false thing, we absolutely love that in the room. Uh, what a great segment. I think that's going to be a new segment that we have each week. We had a bit of a vote here, and I think it's fair to say 70 or 80% thought it was true. The other 20% you were wrong. But who knew, hey, the most shoplifted book in the world? That is amazing. Well, um, just want to highlight some of those things. You know, isn't it just so wonderful seeing that all God's doing in us and through us as a church family? And, you know, really excited about that Connect Cafe this Wednesday. You know, Simon and Natalie are fantastic. If you are around and available, you should drop in for that. Uh, that's a virtual Zoom cafe. Details on our Watson page. And uh, don't forget as well that Alpha has happened on Mondays. It started uh, last week, but it's not too late. If you want to join Alpha or if you know someone that wants to join Alpha, it's not too late to sign up. Again, go to our Watson page and you can sign up there. And indeed, everything else that's happening at church is there also. Okay, well, here we are. We continue in our series entitled First. And I kicked this off a few weeks ago as we start this new year, asking the question, how do we put Jesus first in our lives? And, and challenging us to make a decision, make a choice, be intentional to say that I am going to start this year by making Jesus first and get into that habit daily of putting Jesus first. And so we've been exploring what that looks like, and I've been looking at some P's. The first one was the peace that Jesus uh, gives us, a peace not of this world. Who knows, the, the peace of this world can be a little bit unsteady and unstable, can't it? A peace that's based on circumstances. Um, but you see, the peace that Jesus promises is not based on circumstances, but it's based on him. It's a, a peace that is sure and stable. Uh, then we looked at, anybody, anybody here? Protection. Um, which uh, we looked at how the Lord protects us, not just now, but for eternity. Then we looked at provision last week. And this week, we look at our fourth P, which is purpose. How do we find our purpose in Jesus first? You know, as I was thinking about purpose, and as I was just doing some study it's fair to say there are a myriad of books and articles and YouTube videos and talks on how you can find your purpose. No shortage of how you can hear from God about your purpose. No shortage on how you can assess what God is calling you to do. There, there is no shortage of learning how you can be the best God has called you to be, and how you can get the most of this life, live your best life. Some of you might have heard those quotes. Now, I want to say this. Some of these, some of these are good. Some of these are biblical. And we need teaching, don't we, on hearing from the Lord about our calling. You know, there's a general purpose that we all share in how we live our lives. But of course, we also have individual callings that God has placed on our lives. And can I just say this? A calling is not just for me, the pastor, or anybody else that serves in a church. We all have a calling. We, God has prepared good works for us to walk in. But I have to say, while there are many good and biblical uh, articles and books on purpose, I have to say many verge on a mixture of self-help pop psychology with God thrown in for good measure. 
Some read more like a top tips to success, including how you can accumulate money, although it's, it's talked about in the context of blessings, and how you can become famous, although they use the term influence. I realize this is a bit of a critique, but I would say eight out of 10 books at the moment that you can get on this subject written by Christian authors are more like how you can get the most from this world. And Jesus is seen as a father Christmas to give you the things that you need. This is where the gospel is heading in so many parts. And it, it is dangerous. It is dangerous because it has put things the wrong way around. I am not saying that God doesn't promise us blessings. Of course he does. He came so that we would have life and life in abundance. But here is the thing. Those things come as a result of walking in relationship with him. And as we walk in our purposes for him, they are not the purpose itself. Do you see the difference? And the enemy has put such a subtle lie in. The word of faith movement, the name it, claim it, claim it gospel, is focused on how you can get the most from this life as long as you follow these formulas and your faith. I'm sorry to say, but if you're, the way you look at your purpose is based like that, you're going to miss it completely. If the way you assess your purpose, I realize I'm going off on one here, but I'm feeling rather passionate about this, is about what I can do now. And by the way, Lord, can you help me when I need your help? You'll never fulfill the purpose that God has for you. I don't think I can be any more clear on that. And so in this series, which is how do we put Jesus first, we have to address the question, what does our purpose look like when we put Jesus first? Not secondary to give us what we need, but first. Recognizing that as we walk in that, those things will come. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given unto you. Not seek ye first these things first and then the kingdom will be thrown in for good measure. That is not in my Bible translation, nor will you find it in yours. And so, as I was looking at this subject, I asked the Lord the question, how do we find our purpose in you first? What does it truly look like? And in asking the question, the Lord led me to a piece of scripture that I want us to go through that I believe will challenge many of us as we assess what our purpose is. And for some of you, it's going to challenge you to think about things very differently. It might cause some of you to stop doing what you're doing, but I, I suspect that for most of you, it's going to encourage you to walk in new things. Who wants to walk in new things? Hands have gone up. Okay, so let's turn together um, and just get, while I continue looking at this subject, get your finger into uh, John 12, put your thumb in there, John 12, and we're going to read from verse 20 in a moment. And because I've got quite a lot to say on this subject, depending on time, I suspect what we're going to do is do it over two weeks. So this is going to be part one uh, of this talk. So let's ask the question, how do we understand our purpose in Jesus first? How do I find my purpose from Jesus and not from the world's influence? Well, it's quite simple, really. And we're going to see this in the scripture in the moment. To understand your purpose, listen, you need to understand Jesus' purpose. To understand your purpose, you need to understand Jesus' purpose. Why? What does that mean, Mark? Because as we'll see, your purpose is intrinsically linked 
with Jesus' purpose. He came to serve others. We are called to serve others. He came to bring glory to the Father. Your purpose is to bring glory to the Father. He came to broke up, to heal the brokenhearted. Your purpose is to heal the brokenhearted. He came to heal the sick. Your purpose is to heal the sick. He came to proclaim the kingdom of God. Your purpose is to proclaim the kingdom of God and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came to stand up for the poor and marginalized. Your purpose is to stand up for the poor and marginalized. He came to make disciples. Your purpose is to make disciples of Jesus. Are you getting this? Can you see this? And we often miss this. We say, Lord, what is my calling? What is my purpose? And Jesus says, well, follow me and you'll see. Follow me first, and you'll see what your purpose is. Are you getting the picture? Now, I'm not saying that our purpose is messianic. (laughs) Clearly, our purpose is not to save the world. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. His blood is all sufficient. Rather, I'm saying, and this is the point I'm trying to drive home here, that Jesus modeled for us what our purpose is here the purpose that we have in Christ Jesus. So if you want to know and walk in your God-given purpose, then you need to know Jesus. Jesus is not a lucky charm that you rub when you need something. God, our Heavenly Father, is not Father Christmas that gives us gifts when we need something. He is our Lord and Savior who calls us to walk with him and to know him. If you want to walk in all the things that God has for you, then you need to walk in the way of Jesus. I'm not going to apologize for laboring this point because quite frankly, I could stop the message here. Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts and our minds right now? How can we follow you, Jesus, and put you first? Because it is in that place that your purposes are revealed in us. You see... Here's the thing, it comes down to this before we get into the scripture. You either see and understand and look to fulfill your purposes through the lens of a me-first world, a world where you are the center, or you see and understand and walk in the purposes that God has for you through the lens of a Christ-first world, a world where Christ is at the center. And no prizes for which God calls us to live in. We are called to live in a Christ-first world. And so it is with that that I would like us to look at our scripture for this morning, which is John 12, 20 to 27. And what it's going to show us is how we live in a Christ-first world and how from that place we can understand and walk in the purposes that God has for us. So why don't you turn with me? We're going to read this together. I'm reading from the NIV, and it titles it, Jesus Predicts His Death. Interestingly enough, in other translations, the title is actually, Some Greeks Seek Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Some Greeks Seek Jesus. And we're going to look at that as we unpack this together. So let me read this. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. 
They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with the request, Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip then went and turned and told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason. And by the way, in the ESV, it says, for this very purpose, I came to this hour. Amen. Okay, so... Let's unpack this together and let's look at what it means to live in a Christ first world. And what I want to do is give us two statements this morning, and I'm going to continue next week on uh, taking from this what we can learn. Here's statement number one. Are you ready? In a me first world, I seek Jesus to serve me. In a Christ first world, I seek to serve Jesus. In a me-first world, I seek Jesus to serve me. In a Christ-first world, I seek to serve Jesus. Now, let's look at this in this passage. You see, in verse 21, we read that the Greeks had come to see Jesus. The Greeks were Gentiles. They were not of the, the Jewish faith. And they said, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Why do you think they've come to see Jesus? Well, it doesn't tell us, does it? Maybe... Maybe they had heard about the wonderful miracles that Jesus had done. Wow, we want to see this Jesus that's doing all these amazing things. The, the sick are healed, the dead are raised, the lepers are clean. Hey, he even makes a, a mean packed lunch. He extends it to so many thousands of people. We want to see this. Or maybe they heard the great teachings of Jesus and said, we want to live in that kind of society. The world that Jesus paints, those, those are the values we aspire to. Maybe, we don't know, they were wondering, maybe they needed something from him. We need to seek Jesus. We need something from Jesus. They were looking to see Jesus. And so the, the Greeks come, and what do we read? We read that Philip went and told Andrew, hey, some Greeks are here. What, what do you think we should do? Well, we should go and ask Jesus. Okay, come on then. So they went and said to Jesus, Jesus says some Greeks here that want to see you. Then this is how Jesus replies to that question. I love how Jesus replies to questions. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Huh? Excuse me? You can imagine Andrew and Philip saying, oh, do you think he heard us? And then he goes on, doesn't he, and to say in verse 24, what does Jesus say? Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And then he goes on in verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
You can maybe imagine Andrew and Philip saying, uh, do you think Jesus actually heard us? We've got these Greeks at the door and they want to see Jesus. Now, you could read this and think that Jesus ignored them and that he forgot about the Greeks, but I would propose that's not the case because this is what we read. This is where I want to get to. In verse 26, listen to this. Whoever serves me must follow me and where my servant also will be. You see, as is typical with Jesus, he gets to the heart of the matter. He gets to the heart of the matter. And we're going to see that in three ways. The first thing I want to say about this is Jesus did not rebuke the Greeks for coming to see him. That wasn't an issue for Jesus. And isn't that true of our walk and our faith with the Lord that we start our journey by wanting to see Jesus? Who is this Jesus? We want to come and see him. You know, Jesus draws all men. Throughout the scriptures, we see people are drawn to see Jesus. But here's the thing about our walk with Jesus. It cannot stay there. You cannot come just to see Jesus. And this is the second point I want to say. And what we see in this story is that Jesus brings a correction and says this. He doesn't say, if anyone wishes to see me. He says this, if anyone wishes to serve me. Sorry, Jesus, said Philip. I'm putting this in. I'm not sure you heard. The Greeks want to see you. They don't want to serve you. <laughs> and you can imagine Jesus saying, no, I heard, what they, I heard what they said. But you see, seeing me is different than serving me. You see, Jesus doesn't call you to see him. He calls you to serve him. Jesus isn't some kind of show that we go to marvel at. He isn't an attraction that we go, ooh, wow. Isn't that Jesus wonderful? I'll go and visit Jesus and see him when I need this, that, and the other. If your Christian walk is, consists around just seeing him, then you're not walking with Jesus. You know, many times the crowds would come to see Jesus. There was only a few that would oftentimes then follow him. And this is my third point. Serving, you see, is more than lip service because Jesus goes on and says this. And if you serve me, then you will follow me. In other words, following Jesus is a sign that you are serving him. You know, it says in John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I have it with my kids sometimes. When, when, if you, when, they're, when they're going well, you know, and being good, they say, oh, daddy, I love you so much. Kiss, 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 kiss. And then another hour later, say, darling, can you do this for me? No. Excuse me? We're like that with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love you. You're so wonderful. No sex outside marriage. Or don't get drunk. But you said you loved me. And it could be many other things. You see, the walk with Jesus, <laughs> being a disciple of Jesus, isn't about just seeing him. If we want to put Jesus first, it means that we have to follow him. It means that we need to serve him. Now, the point of following is 
that we become like him. You see, Jesus, a teacher of the, you know, teacher, a rabbi, you know, what the rabbis would do is have their disciples and, and the disciples would follow uh, the teacher and become like the teacher. That's the point of discipleship. And you see, if we say we are, are going to serve Jesus and we're committed to following him, then we are, what we are actually saying is that we are committed to becoming like Jesus. And it's as you walk with Jesus, as you become like Jesus, that you walk in the purposes that he has for you. And so I want to ask you the question, are you committed to following Jesus or are you just seeing Jesus? But what does it take, Mark, to follow Jesus? It means to say, Lord, I'm here to bring you glory. I'm here to worship you. Whatever it takes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to drop my nets and follow you. You know, I, if, I look, if I think about my life, I think the first, almost like, and I'm not saying it's, it's split this easily and equally, but uh, most, a lot of my journey as a Christian, as an early Christian, was, you know, worshiping Jesus, loving him, uh, walking with him to a degree, but, you know, I, I didn't truly give myself to him. In other words, I didn't get to that point of saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to serve you. I was always in that place mentally of, Lord Jesus, would you serve me with this and that? And it came to a point, and one of those, and I've mentioned this before, but when Steph and I got married almost 17 years ago, uh, later this year, we, we, made, we, we prayed this, one of these dangerous prayers, which is, Lord, we want to do whatever you want us to do. Take us wherever you want. Do with us whatever you want. And so from that moment on, we've, God has called us to do so many different things. And we all need to get to that place of saying, Lord, I want to make a choice to truly follow you, whatever it takes. And here's the thing, is as we walk then in the purposes that he has for us, then he empowers us. Then he pours out his blessings upon us. It isn't the other way around. Those things come from relationship. And so that's the first statement then. And it's a statement that we can use just to assess where we are at in our journey with the Lord. In a me first world, I seek Jesus to serve me. In a Christ first world, I seek to serve Jesus. Okay, let's look at our second statement then that we can see from this scripture. In a me first world, I count what I can gain. In a Christ first world, I count the cost for Christ's gain. In a me first world, I count what I can gain. In a Christ-first world, I count the cost for Christ's gain. You know, Jesus said in verse 24, let's look at that again. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And then he goes on, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. 
Now, of course, Jesus was saying, you know, he was predicting his death. He was going, he was that seed. He was that seed that would die and, of course, rise again so that all of us may have new life in Jesus. But it's not just about Jesus. You see, he's calling all of us to die to self. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, pick up your own cross and count the costs. This Christian walk is not accumulating as much as you can. There are often times where we need to sacrifice and count the cost. You see, in a me-first world, I look at the purpose through the lens of what I can gain. You know, will this give me more money? Will this give me more influence? Will this make me look better in the sight of man? Will this make me more comfortable? Will this make me et cetera, et cetera? You can fill it in. Now, those things in themselves are not bad things, are they? Money is not evil. Comfort is not wrong. Influence is a godly thing. The point I'm trying to labor this morning is that these things come as we walk in his purposes. And if our lens is a me first world, we will only assess our purposes if they produce those results. And the problem is, if you do that, you will miss out on what God has for you in so many times. Because oftentimes we have to count the cost. It's going to cost us something. You know, it costs us to run the care center and feed. It costs you guys, does it not, as you sacrifice your time and, and your money as we, as we do the work that God has called us to take care of those that are unable to. You know, all the things of value in this world, the things that have meaning, the things that um, to spread the gospel means that it costs something of ourselves. And it doesn't mean that you won't enjoy it. It doesn't mean there won't be joy in there. It doesn't mean that you won't be blessed by it. It means that you recognize that it's going to take something of you. It means you will have to put to death self and pride, passions and lusts of the flesh. It means that you seek first his kingdom, not your own. And as I spoke and speak to many Christians throughout my years, those that are pushing forward recognize that it's going to cost them something and they're willing to follow Jesus and his example. And those that miss out on God's purposes are those that only look at their purposes through a me first world. You know, read Hebrews 11 and you see the great men and women of faith. It cost them something. Abraham, it cost him to leave his family behind as he, as, he, as he responded to God's promise and call to the promised land. It cost Esther something. It cost Noah something. The ridicule as he followed in God. It's, you know, it cost Steph and I to do the things that God's called us, whether it be, you know, emotionally or financially or mentally. You know, we have counted the cost. But here is the thing. The gain does come. Jesus was glorified. He says in the scriptures that, that you will be glorified. You will be lifted up. My father will honor the one who serves me. Some of that will be in this life. but Some of that is in the life to come as we spend eternity with him. I touched on it last week. 
Eternal rewards await those who sow now for a reward later. When Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6, he says, where your treasure is there, your heart is also. And he talks about, you know, build up for yourselves treasures in heaven where rust and moth does not destroy. You know, have you heard of the phrase, the beamer seat of Christ? The beamer is the judgment seat. Now, we will all be in front of God's judgment seat, but as Christians, not a judgment of whether you go to heaven or to hell. You know, Jesus paid that price on the cross, and if you said yes to Jesus, then you are safe for all eternity. You know, our salvation is not by works. It's by faith through grace in Christ alone. You cannot do anything to be saved. But that doesn't mean that your works don't have eternal consequences. You know, beamer was uh, a beamer seat was in the Olympics, there was a beamer seat where they would give out the rewards for all of the prizes. And we read that there are rewards for his saints. Crowns of glory await us. And so the problem is in a me first world, we look at this, our life through a very temporal lens. I need to acquire now. I need to now because this is all I've got. And if I don't do it now, if I don't fulfill the passions and the desires the Lord's laid on my heart, that's it, game over for me. But the reason we think that is because we have such a small view of heaven. And in the His Story series that I gave um, end of last year, and you can catch up on the Vineyard Talks to Cody UK forward slash talks, I touched on heaven. And I looked a little bit more detail around what that is. It isn't some place that you float around on a cloud playing a harp. Boy, that would be boring. There is a new heaven and a new earth that will await us. And so when we start looking at our lives through an eternal lens and recognizing that rewards will come, we recognize that as we sacrifice now, you know, you cannot outgive God. We often think, well, if I do this for you, God, well, no, God pours out his blessing. Now, here's the thing. I've just been reflecting on this. Um, and as we parent our children, for those of you parents, there's really three things how we parent. One is that um, we, we hope and pray that they do things because they love us, right? I love my mommy and daddy, so I'm going to do this for them. The second thing is a right fear. In other words, that they would honor father and, your father and mother. Okay, it's got that in the Ten Commandments, right? What is that? That's a, that's a correct fear, not a terrified fear, but that's the fear of God. In other words, we don't want to offend God. We want to honor God. And the third thing is they do things because they know that I love them and I want to reward them. Now, they don't, they don't just say, right, I won't do this, Lord, uh, Daddy, until you give me this. No, they do it because they love me and then I reward them. And our Heavenly Father is no different. We respond to him out of love for him, out of a godly fear. The fear of the Lord is the root of all wisdom, but also because we know his character that he causes to pour blessings upon us, not just now, but in eternity as well. And so we need to make a choice to say, Lord, whatever it takes, I am willing to count the cost for your gain. This world would look so different. And I'm challenged by this personally because I know there are more things that God is calling me to do, but I'm like, I've given enough, Lord. 
I've given my time enough. I've given my money enough. I've given my energy enough. But Jesus says, Mark, if you want to serve me, then you've got to follow me. And Jesus modeled it for us. But as I end, let me just say this. Not only did Jesus model it for us, he makes it possible. You see, God sent his ho the Holy Spirit to equip us and empower us to walk in the purposes that Jesus has for us. The very life of Jesus is in us. As we take those steps. So as I summarize and as I just end with some practical tips, let me give you those two statements again. As you reassess what your purpose is in Jesus. Statement number one, in a me first world, I seek Jesus to serve me. In a Christ first world, I seek to serve Jesus. Where are you at? Are you just coming to see Jesus like the Greeks? Or are you going to serve Jesus? And number two, the statement number two, in a me first world, I count what I can gain. In a Christ first world, I count the cost for Christ's gain. And so lastly then, how do we respond? How can we walk in Jesus' purposes for us? Number one, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas in your life where you are living in a me first world. And as I've been going through this talk, God has been showing me areas in my life. We're all on this journey. Number two, ask the question, how can I serve you, not just see you? How can I serve you, not just see you? And number three, then make a choice. Listen, make a choice to be willing to count the cost, not for you, for your gain, but for his.